The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Wow, have we ever had a year, but it looks like there is light at the end of the tunnel, or some light anyways, because vaccines are now being distributed globally that should get us back to some semblance of normalcy and get us back to life. Isn't that nice to be able to come out of our cages and our caves and get back with life? I'm so excited. Anyway, my next guest has a remarkable story. From a very young age, he was put in a position of responsibility to take care of one of the family businesses. And he learned quite a bit, became quite a good businessman, became a surgeon, all those kind of things. His story, I'm sure, will resonate with a lot of people when he shares how his struggles turned out to really shape the man he is. And for so many of us out there, we're going to have to reinvent ourselves. We're going to have to find new means of income. And this story will help you, I'm certain. And without any further delay, I want to introduce you to my next guest, Daryl Martins. Hello, Daryl, and welcome to Inspire Us. How are you today? No, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Very good. Can't complain. <laughs> and where are you again? I'm currently in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. How's the weather over there? It's cold, uh, but it's not <laughs> snowing today, so that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. We had such an interesting conversation the first time we met, and your story is compelling. It is a story of how a young boy uh, had to take on so much responsibility and consequently was, I guess, denied certain things in life, but you made it all work out for you. I'd love for you to share your story with our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a child, when I was growing up, I was a single child for about nine years. And then, and then my sister was born, but uh, for that nine years, it was it was difficult, but I was I was blessed to have a wonderful family, wonderful parents, wonderful grandparents. But we didn't had a difficult time getting where we are today. Um, and it kind of started off with my grandparents coming to Canada um, from Portugal, living in the same triplex where we had three brothers and uh, and uh, their wives and my mom, uh, living together in, in in a small you know triplex that they. Um, pretty much made their home for for a good um, good ten years of their lives, and, and that's how they you know saved money and worked worked hard. Um, my parents and my my mom um, and my dad didn't really have the further education, mostly because of um, uh, financial reasons, as everybody had to pitch in um, to um, to make a difference, uh, and that's where a lot of my inspiration came from. Uh, my parents were were, were um, I worked hard and, and uh, allowed 
uh, me to, to go to school and go to um, university. Um, and then from university, um, got admitted and uh, accepted to medical school um, in the United States and Philadelphia. And then from there, I, I continued my journey to Los Angeles where I did my surgical residency there. And then living, um, you know, living in LA, kind of realized not, uh, not a place I wanted to uh, raise a family, have children. So I, I came back to, to as close as I could uh, to my roots, which is, which is Michigan. Um, and here I am, and here I am now. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's quite the journey. But when you were younger, your father, uh, he had a business mind. And uh, his business mind ended up uh, really kind of falling a little bit on your shoulders at a very, very young age. Uh, would you care to share that story with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it kind of originated from, again, my, my, my parents have to, my family had to pitch in to, to make what it is. But uh, as a as a young age, my um, my my family were uh, kind of entrepreneurs. Where my dad would have his uh, his job in Eaton's uh, fixing appliances uh, seven to three o'clock, but then on the side um, making coin laundromats. And he would make one coin laundromat, and then once that laundromat was was made, at the age of um, I don't know the age, but grade seven. I was responsible to pretty much maintain that laundromat. So at, you know, I think my, one of my daughters in grade seven now. So I think at the age of 12 or so, I was pretty much responsible on opening the business at seven o'clock, closing the business at 11 o'clock, riding my bike to and from the place. Um, and that was pretty much my life um, until I hit grade nine. And then grade nine, my dad opened a second laundromat. So from there I had to, um, and then I went to Central Tech downtown um, uh, and had to you know, ride a TTC, go um, clean the laundromats and, 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 and to pretty much take care of it. So all day, seven days a week, um, pretty much had limited uh, ability to really you know, in, in enjoy life um, socially. Um, which created a mindset of the importance of, of building um, something um, for your name and building uh, the understanding that uh, in order for you to uh, get somewhere in life, um, you've got to make sacrifices. You've got to make um, really um, you get have some expectations for yourself to, if you start something, you got to finish something right. Um, mm -hmm. So the motto is for me now, and in my current journey is what I'm doing. Yeah. Now, when you say from seven to 11, are you talking seven in the morning until 11 in the evening? Yeah, so correct. So seven o'clock, I would, uh, you know, go and clean the laundries for about two hours, um, go to school. Um, uh, it was uh, near in North York uh, elementary school. And then in, in, in high school it was um, uh, downtown Central Tech. But yeah, pretty much go to school. Then after school, I would have to um, kind of go back and clean it up and, and take care of it. And then occasionally actually had to go back at uh, 11 o'clock to close it. So it was, uh, you know, work, school, work. Um, and that continued um, for a good period of time. 
as you said, it didn't leave you much time for social life, especially when you're young at 12 years old, when that is so important for young people to be connecting with other young people and just developing their minds and, and you know, their experience or life experience. When you were in the laundromat, your responsibility not only to clean up, to close up, to open up, um, did it also involve dealing with the cash, dealing with the money, uh, taking yeah. charge of that? Wow, that's an awful lot of responsibility for a 12-year-old. How did that make you feel as a, a young person who, going to school, you would see some of your other uh, classmates who had a social life, and yet you did not? Yeah, and it, you know, I, 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 at the time, I really felt that would, it was a burden on me, that I felt that, you know, I'd, why am I doing this at this age? Um, none of my other cousins were doing it. None of my other friends were doing it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was my job to, to take the money, bring the money home, um, count the money and, you know, have it ready for, for my dad to bring to the bank. Um, obviously, you know, back in the, you know, the nineties and uh, late eighties and living things were a lot different than what it is now. Um, but that, that was, uh, my responsibility and looking now, it kind of uh, shaped me to, to a certain extent of the uh, importance of the whole um, business where you you have to you know provide a good service, uh, be the best as you can, but also um, having the fulfillment to pay the bills and pay my staff and you know make sure everybody has uh, has the ability to um, make income to feed their families. Your father's entrepreneur mind certainly rubbed off on you and taught you some valuable lessons at a young age at the expense, unfortunately, of a social life, perhaps. But that really changed a little bit for you when you, uh, you got interested in hockey and you started to play hockey. Would you, would you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I always enjoy the game, always love the game. Um, and at uh, um, a, a younger age, um, I um, wanted to kind of uh, dive in and, and get to learn the game as, as much as I can. Um, and that kind of shaped me to who I am now. But in general, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I played, um, you know, go, went through the, the minors, the, uh, the kind of peewee, the midget system in North York um, High School. Um, and then I, I, I had that um, um, extra time at, to a certain extent to practice and, and be as good as I can be. Uh, unfortunately, my journey ended at university. Um, but the uh, really the uh, it goes back to the entrepreneur mind and and realizing that um, how can I um, how can I kind of um, share my ability in hockey and and uh, and continue on playing. Uh, at this age, even though I wasn't going to make it any further. Um, so I was always getting called for rentals, um, meaning I was a goalie in, in Toronto. There's, there's just too much ice and not enough goalie. So um, I made a, a business at the age of uh, 16 um, of called Rent-A-Goalie. Rent uh, and pretty much what I did there is um, it was back in, the, back in the day when PayPal just came out. Um, cell phones are starting to be used and really pager where they would page me. I would call them back from using my house line initially. Um, and then they'll call, I need a goalie, this, this, this. Okay, great. Went there, went to the game and got paid 40 bucks. 
So I realized, um, well, initially I didn't get paid. I was just doing these things for free. I'm like, man, there's gotta be a business basketball, right? <laughs> I said, there's gotta be a way. And then my dad's like, why are you doing this? You know, why are you doing this for free? I just wanna play. Like, yeah, but equipment's expensive. You know, equipment is gonna cost two, $3,000 and you beat it up. I'm like, well, you got a point there. So then I, I started doing it on Friday, Saturday night with some friends. And then um, from there, I, I created, you know, a basic website, you know, called Goalie911. Um, and that website where people would, would, would go and uh, email me or even at that time call me because I got a cell phone um, for business purposes. And they would, uh, they would call me and pretty much go to the game and they'd pay me either cash or businesses wanted you to as a write-off, they would pay me through PayPal. Um, and it did well. It paid, you know, it paid through university. So I, I, at the end of university, I didn't have a, I didn't have a huge dollar amount that I had to pay, and uh, um, which was which was great. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different these days, uh, where uh, the cost of education is just a, a crime in itself, and so many people end up uh, in debt for years in sometimes careers that they don't even get to exercise. Uh, but yeah, I I love what you said about becoming an entrepreneur at the age of 16. Your father taught you how to take care of a business pretty much. You It, it was your responsibility from the age of 12 on to take care of these two laundromats. And at the age of 16, when you're into hockey, you have this brilliant idea of renting out goalies. Who would have thought of that? And then... Uh, monetizing that on top of that at, at the age of 16. That's a remarkable story. And I, I think it really, really calls to a lot of young people right now who are experiencing, uh, I guess, uh, roadblocks in the careers that they've chosen to take, because many of those opportunities are no longer going to be available now that COVID-19 has hit. So being an entrepreneur, as, as you became I think is going to be a key for a lot of young people. They're going to have to reset their minds and say, yep, you know what? Daryl did it. I can do it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and that paid your university. Uh, what did you do once you uh, left university? So once I left university, did undergrad in kinesiology at York, um, with going through the process of, of uh, you know, hockey and sports, uh, I really had an interest of, of the foot and the ankle and um, seeing injuries, seeing um, uh, some dilemmas the players had. And, and uh, I spent some time in some kinesiology um, uh, clinics uh, where I did some, some modalities and some assistance in, uh, as a kinesiologist. Um, but I, at that point, I really uh, wanted to focus on this area of the foot and ankle. And um, from there, I went to um, karate school in uh, Michener, which is again in um, downtown Toronto, which um, was able, allowed me to kind of focus on the foot and ankle, uh, more conservative care, but more focus on, the, on that area. Um, and I did my, my three years and I still wanted to expand. I still wanted to do more and learn more. Um, and with the socialized medicine in Toronto, um, you know, going through the path of becoming a medical doctor um, was uh, was very was much was very difficult uh, at at the age I was at. Um, I think I was around 24, 23. I'm not sure. Um, so I didn't want to go through the whole path all over again. So 
So there was a combined, um, so I really have applied to a medical school in, in the States into uh, focusing on uh, podiatry school that uh, kind of isolated itself in surgical care and um, other aspects of medicine, not just you know uh, conservative options. Um, so I applied and, and I got accepted to a medical school in Philly. Um, so at that, um, at that, uh, you know, pretty much at, uh, I think at uh, 24 or so, I believe 24, 25, um, I, I left the, the coop and this is really not seen much in a Portuguese family. Like we like to stay, we like to stay home as much as possible. We want to get fed by our moms. You know, we want to get nurtured by grandparents. And it just wasn't, it's really, again, I'm, I'm going over, going over the border, I still am the only one that's done this, but, um, but I, I needed to expand and I really wanted to, to learn more. Um, so I spoke to my parents and said, yeah, go for it. If you want to do it, do it. So I did it. So I spent time in Philly alone. I didn't know anybody in the States. Uh, I had to go through the whole process of getting a visa, um, which was new to me. I had no idea about it, but the school helped. And I spent some time in Philadelphia and then I graduated. Mm, very nice. Now, was university a smooth sail for you or were there any bumps in the road? Oh, um, York University was difficult for me. You know, at, uh, I, I got into university at 17. Um, and again, it, it, I really had minimal social life before that. But then going to university... And, and it's a completely new world. So the first year, you know, I, I, I probably read a book or two, maybe that. Um, I spent the majority of the time having a lot of fun and then literally cleaning laundries at the end of the night. But after that, I, I went to the, you know, I had some fun uh, even after that. So that first year was a wash. It was really a wash. I, I didn't do much. I was really upset at myself. My dad was upset at me. So at that point, which is kind of at that point where I made that own business with the Goldie School or the, the Goldie Rental. I had to figure out how to pay for school because my dad said, you're done. Like, I'll give you one year. If you mess it up, you got to do this. You got to do it yourself. <laughs> so I ended up doing it myself. But, uh, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't easy at all. Uh, I struggled. Uh, but once I kind of get into a, when I got into a path and, and understanding what I had to do, um, I got better and finally graduated. Now, you brought up a really good point. Sometimes uh, parents will facilitate their children too much. And your father was one that kind of put the responsibility on your shoulders. He did that when you were a younger boy and uh, a younger man. And he did that when you were in university. How do you feel about uh, that experience? You feel that uh, parents uh, should do more of that? I think, I think facilitation is a good word, but I think guidance is better. I think he didn't want me to make uh, mistakes, um, but if, but being a, a man and most of us are stubborn, kind of go down that path of, of making your own decisions and sometimes they're not best decisions. Um, but, but guiding, um, you know, guiding me, um, you know, obviously telling me right from wrong when I'm, you know, when I'm in elementary school was ideal, but but kind of guiding me and making some decent decisions. But in general, he left it up to me. Um, and if he felt certain ones are uh, one of the best, he would remind me. My mom, the same thing. My mom was always caring. Um, she always uh, respected and, and uh, really honored what I did. But in general, uh, if I did mess up, she'd be the first one to kick me. 
<laughs> yeah, and I suppose, well, that's that's a sign of a good parent, you know, just, uh, hey, you know, if you're going to mess up, uh, you have to deal with me. <laughs> and it teaches values and responsibility and everything else. Now, with everything that's going on with COVID-19 and young people having to kind of find their way, can you give any advice as to um, a path that they should do or something that they could become involved in that might help them to get to their destinations? You know, I think, um, I think really uh, figure out what one loves to do, right? So for example, me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a foot doctor, I'm a podiatrist and I run my own business, but it really doesn't seem like work to me because I come in and I do what I like and I, I found a passion. And I think that's the thing is just trying to find what you want to do, what you like to do. And then from there, you're going to have the energy and intensity to continually find um, that type of work, making that there's a demand for it. Um, and, and, and not only satisfy the community where you're at, uh, but also uh, yourself um, and your 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 goals right yeah and that's so important uh, to find something that doesn't feel like work it's something that you can go to and you actually enjoy doing I think a lot of people fall into hey I need a job and I need to get into this and uh, yeah, they don't follow their hearts or their passions so that's a very valid point when you are uh, in love with what you do it's not work and right. uh, yeah and it's a great thing so uh, were there any other experiences in your life that taught you valuable life lessons, Daryl? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one one life lesson that I went through at the age of 19, which really kind of um, uh, really affected uh, me, my family, um, you know, even my wife to a certain extent, was, um, you know, I, I got accused of, of, of something of a crime that I, I didn't commit, and I had to um, uh, had to go through quite a bit of trials and tribulations. You know, I lost my job um, because it, was, it happened at work, um, and uh, again, uh, it uh, it was really um, demeaning for myself and for the family, um, and going through that whole recourse of telling my parents that I was, you know, I was basically charged for a crime I didn't commit um, uh, was tough for me. You know, it was definitely a, uh, um, ego, a, a breaker, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from, um, uh, from, from that experience, um, I, I realized, you know what, I have to, you know, whatever you, with this, whatever happens to you, you're the one that's going to have to fix it. You can't really rely on anybody else to a certain extent. It's going to be your responsibility because it's going to, going to follow you no matter what. Um, and um, eventually this, this developed and occurred for a year and a half and eventually got acquitted of all charges. But still when I had to go through the process of applying for the green, the visas and the green cards and the, American passport and all that stuff, it still gets brought up and it still reminds me that, you know what, um, you know, the decisions you may or may not do um, will, uh, will affect you from going forward. And uh, it doesn't just stop there, it really continues on. Um, but nevertheless, uh, uh, 
just gotta uh, go with your heart and go with the, and the, make the make the uh, uh, make you make the uh, think um, what you feel is right um, and, and and follow follow what you believe is right. Mm-hmm. And what you said, you touched on so many really important things. Uh, number one, you're falsely accused of a crime. And, and uh, I can relate to that because I too was falsely accused. I wasn't charged because I was able to prove otherwise. But when you're charged without having an opportunity to really explain yourself and to uh, defend yourself, that's tough for anyone to be falsely accused of something that they didn't do. You said uh, in explaining this that it taught you the lesson that nobody's really going to fix it all for you and that you have to take responsibility for making it right. And that's exactly what you did. And I think that's a very valuable lesson for anyone who experiences adversity or setbacks or anything along that line is that when things happen in your experience or whatever, it's your responsibility to really stand up and to make things right. And that's exactly what you did. And and I, I really empathize with what you've said afterwards is that for a long period of time, these false accusations can follow you into other areas of your life. But you had now have a story to really uh, share. And I thank you for sharing that story with our listeners because it, it happens. I was a cop and I know that some people get falsely accused. I was working in the detective office and I could see that happening. And you have to imagine the experiences that that person is going to go through uh, once they clear their name, you know, it, it's a hard thing to get back and just to, to brush that off you. Uh, it, it's almost next to impossible. So yeah, that's quite the story. Were there any other things, Daryl, that, um, that really taught you to be the person that you are today? You're a successful uh, surgeon. Uh, you've accomplished so much in your life. You're an entrepreneur. Um, what else taught you the lessons that you have? Really understanding that you're not always going to be right. You got to look at different perspectives of individuals. You got to listen to other people. I'm a father. I have four daughters. I'm outnumbered. So <laughs> I'm never right in my family and household. So I have to have, I have to, again, step back and, and insist that I'm not always going to be right with, with them, um, which is fine. And uh, it kind of goes back and letting them make some decisions uh, and then kind of Follow with those decisions, um, um, but also uh, I, I think um, really trying to um, you know be uh, you know be, be a good husband, be a good great father, and to try try my best on a, on a daily basis. Well, thank you, Daryl. Your story has been a story of courage. It's been a story of responsibility. It's been a story of setbacks. It's been a story of victories. And right now, you're sitting in a place with four daughters wonderful wife, business of your own. And uh, it was a, it wasn't an easy, uh, it wasn't an easy journey for you. And I think that a lot of what you've said here, most of what you said, if not everything is going to resonate with our entire audience. So I thank you very much for sharing that. Do you have anything else that you would like to add in our parting comments? Um, you know, I think uh, one of the major reasons I kind of uh, have lived and, and choose to live in, in Michigan um, is that the ability for physicians and trained personnel to go and bring back what they learned 
to their place in Canada is very difficult. Um, I would love to move, go back to Toronto or go back to North York, Innisfil, Barrie, whatever the case may be, uh, and bring my education back to my family. Um, but because of the limitations that are set with uh, graduates that are graduating you know, in America or even elsewhere, it is very difficult. And uh, um, hopefully one day, you know, I can maybe in my 60s or 65, um, in and around the Toronto area and, and service the people and the community that, that, that taught me so much uh, and give back. Uh, and that's one of the you know, major um, uh, things I'd love to change, but it just, it's just really impossible at this point in time. Yeah, and that's something uh, very important. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because yes, you got your education in the United States. It's a fine education. It's a great education. I'm thinking about all uh, the people who have come to Canada from other places in the world uh, with all their knowledge and experience, their physicians, their, their, you know, the brain surgeons, whatever. And uh, they arrive in America or in Canada only to be told, well, it's not up to our standards or you have to jump through all these hoops. And consequently, uh, a lot of these wonderfully trained individuals end up having to drive a taxi or work for, work for Uber. And there is such unfairness in this world and I, I wish that it would change. And for you, I'm hoping <laughs> that that changes sooner or later. I'd love to see you back here in Canada uh, with your family. And I, I, I feel your, your connection uh, to them. You'd love to be back with your family and just be here in Canada. And we'd love to have you back. Daryl, Daryl, I met you through your wonderful sister, Jessica, whom I love very much. And I'm so glad that we connected. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a valuable conversation and uh, you are a fine example of just carrying on through the thick and the thin. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 